St. Luke from the second chapter, Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from Luke chapter 2, verses 40 through 52. It can be found on page 1592 in your pew Bible. Luke records, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you a story on this second Sunday after Christmas. It's a story that my dear mother used to cringe at. She cringed at the thought of the memory of this happening. I'm about to tell you something that she never forgave herself for. She never forgave herself that it happened to her. The summer of 1974, my mother required me recruited me, actually, to help her teach summer school in Lafayette, California. The truth is, my brother, who was 15 and a half at that time, was a teacher's aide as well. We both had a summer job. Now, my job was more out of necessity for my mother to keep an eye on me while she was teaching kindergarten. And during the summer program my mother's class and another class full of five-year-olds 
made a trip to the Oakland Baby Zoo. It's probably just the Oakland Zoo now, but it used to be known as the Oakland Baby Zoo. They had a lot of baby everythings there. It was, it was amazing. It was exciting for us all, including me. And so the day went off without a hitch, and we were all heading to the bus to take the 30-minute drive home back to the school. And as we headed to the bus, another teacher came to my mother and said that two girls, two 13-year-old teacher aides, were missing. And my mother put the children on the bus, and then she and I, along with two others, went back to the zoo to look for these girls. And I volunteered to go up the path that uh, went around the monkey cage. It was a great big tall cage, big, big trees, and it had this arcing walkway. And my theory was that I could see the park from up there and be able to maybe see the girls. So as I was up there and looking, I could see some buses leaving. And I thought, hmm, I... Surely that is not one of the buses that I was on. And uh, it turns out it was. <laughs> exactly one of the buses that I was on. In fact, what happened was shortly after our search began, somebody found my mom and said, Hey, Carol, um, we found everyone. Everyone is back on the bus. Come on, let's go. And so she assumed that everyone included me. And so the bus is pulling through the park, and it's about to get on the freeway, and she looks down the row of buses, and she doesn't see me, and she says, where is Kenny? And then she realized I wasn't there, and she told the bus driver to pull over and turn around and go back, and she said, I cannot. I have a schedule to keep. And so my poor mother had to drive 30 minutes by school bus to the school and deposit other people's children to them, their parents, children to their parents. And then she had to take a 30-minute drive with my brother, 15 and a half, driving their car to Oakland. She was a mess. It must have been horrible for her. And as you can see, uh, I am here as evidence that she did find me, and the story ended quite well. I've never forgotten that story or how it felt being there, and I have always kept an eye on my own children, and I never strayed very far from my mother or my father either. I know they weren't trying to ditch me, but, you know. So today's gospel <clears throat> tells us that Mary and Joseph did something kind of similar with Jesus when they were coming back from the Passover in Jerusalem. This the story gives us the opportunity to remember, remember that Jesus did not live in some sort of a sacred vacuum. Um, he had friends and family and cousins, just like any normal boy. And imagine, if you will, that you were leaving a popular event and that you would... Uh, fill up a freeway when you left with all of your family. And, and you were going to take a, a walk, because <laughs> you're not in your car back then, but you're going to take a walk. Think about what it must be like to walk from 
Uh, the church here down to Encinitas, that is about the same distance between uh, Jerusalem and Nazareth. It would be going north, it would be the same distance between this church and Santa Clarita. Or heading east, it would be from this church to Eucaipa. This is quite a walk. And so they're going along for a day. And then you, uh, if you imagine as you're walking one of these ways in a group that you know most of the people. And it wouldn't be unusual as everyone was walking, hundreds of people together, that the children would be playing in groups together with their cousins or their friends. And they were playing games as they walked. And, you know, it's not the first time that they took this journey. So they figured that Jesus was just somewhere in the crowd playing with his friends or his cousins. They would not notice that Jesus was missing until they set up camp for the day. And only then would they look for him among the travelers and that they would learn that he was not with them. Now, I can't imagine anyone under similar circumstances waiting for the next day to come. Instead, I imagine that Mary and Joseph immediately started back the way that they had come in hopes of finding Jesus somewhere on the trail. And then they searched. They searched all over Jerusalem. And finally, after three days, they found Jesus in the, in the temple debating theology with teachers. And Mary expressed these dual emotions that all parents have when they find their lost children. First, there's relief, of course, that the children are okay. And then there's probably frustration at the child for creating such a situation. And so his mother said to him, as Scripture reveals, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And Jesus' reply is a reply that challenges Mary, and it challenges Joseph, and it challenges us, it should, to rethink our priorities. He said this, he said, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be among the things of my father, doing the stuff for my father? Jesus is basically saying, if you really knew me, if you really understood me, the temple, my father's house, is where you should have looked first. You would have found me as soon as you got into town. Now, if we think about it a little bit, Jesus must have had a voracious appetite for Scripture and theology. The Gospel says that after three days they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, in the culture of that day, teachers sat and disciples stood. The fact that Jesus was sitting among the teachers meant that they had accepted him, 
this 12-year-old boy as a peer. He was engaged in the discussion as one among equals. Fascinating. Now, we might be tempted to say something like, well, of course Jesus was good at theology. He is God. And he's the one who talked to Moses and the prophets in the first place. It's not too hard to know a book if you are the author. And that would be a perfectly valid thing for us to say or think. That is, if Jesus were to call on his divine nature. However, that's not what he did. We must remember that Jesus was in a state of humility after his conception in the womb until his friends laid him in the tomb. Humility, humiliated. Oftentimes we associate a real negative thing to that, but humbleness, humility. He allowed himself to be like us in every single way. And this means that he did not use his divine powers for his own advantage. And that includes schooling. That means that he learned his scriptures and his theology the same way that everyone else did in that culture. How do I know? Well, he studied. And he kept the commands that said this in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. It's recorded, These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets hanging down from your, in front of your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your homes and on the gates as you enter. Now this application of the scripture is this, that at that time, if you have a child whose mind is focused on holy scripture, then you set such a child loose in Jerusalem. And he will find his way to the teachers of the scriptures. And that is the first place that you should look for him. Now, Jesus' words don't just convict Mary and Joseph. They also convict us. Oh, boy. We, too, we, too, search for Jesus and can't find him. We find ourselves with Mary and Joseph in that we are looking in the wrong places. Jesus said, I must be among the things of my Father. And even so, we look among the things of this world. We look to earthly security. We look to wealth and to power and to prosperity and so forth. And we want a Jesus we want a Jesus that peps us up, that makes us feel good. We want a Jesus who tells us that, you know, we are okay. You're not so bad. And too often we fulfill Paul's prediction to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, you've heard this before. The time is coming 
When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth, and they will wander off into myths. We wander around when false teachings, and then we wander or wonder why we don't find Jesus. Jesus said, I must be among the things of my Father. So what are the things of his Father? The things of his Father are the things his Father sent him here to do. He sent him here to live a perfect life. He sent him here to take our sin unto himself. He sent him here to carry that sin to the cross and to die in our place. Those are the things of his Father. That's the stuff that he needed to do. It is among these things, the cross, our sin, on that cross, Scripture. It's among these things that we find Jesus. Now, unfortunately, the disgust of these things prevents us from looking there. The cross is gruesome. It's gross. It's messy. It's obscene. It's bloody. But the cross proclaims the penalty for sin across centuries, and it shows us the punishment that we deserve for our sin. It's a reminder. Every time we look at that, we can think, I deserve to be pinned on there. It shows us the justice of God. It is a place that we cannot look, for it is a place that reminds us of sin. We cannot look among the things of our Father on our own, and so we will never find Jesus on our own. Now, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes us among the things of the Father. He does this as we hear God's Word. He uses that Word to produce faith in us. And it is by God's Word that He must show us the shame that he must show us the filth of our sin. And then he must show us that cross. And as the Holy Spirit shows the cross to us, we see the place where we should hang. And instead, there is Jesus hanging there for us. And we could not find him, but the Holy Spirit has gathered us to him. There at the cross, the Holy Spirit has showed us Jesus among the things of his Father. And by taking us among the things of the Father, the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts and makes us people of the Father, children of the living God. Now, that the Holy Spirit has gathered us to Jesus, we see that the things of the Father, well, they don't end at the cross. 
Beyond the cross are more things of the Father. Beyond the cross is an empty tomb. And after Jesus died on the cross, his friends laid him in a tomb. And it was there that Jesus shrugged off the state of humiliation. And that's when he entered the state of exaltation. He left the tomb. He proclaimed his victory to those below in hell. He went down into hell, descended into hell, proclaiming his victory. And then he proclaimed his victory here on earth as he rose from the dead and he showed himself alive to many witnesses. And Jesus' resurrection promises us that there is a resurrection among the things of the Father. Jesus' resurrection promises the people of the Father that they will rise to enjoy the things of the Father that the Son has earned for us. So in today's gospel, we might be tempted to say that Jesus was lost, but in fact, Jesus was exactly where he was supposed to be. It was really Mary, and it was really Joseph who were lost. And in a similar way, we are also lost. We are lost in our trespasses, and we are lost in our sins. And it is God who finds us and places us among the things of the Father. And why that matters is this. It is that there, among the things of the Father, the Holy Spirit works faith, and he makes us people, children of the Father. And the good news in that is that since Jesus said this, I must be among the things of the Father. It means that we are with Jesus. That is exactly where we are supposed to be. In the name of Jesus, amen.